0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is The Express for Saturday, the 11th of November, 2023. And coming up, all the news of the week from Double Tap.
2: You're listening to Double Tap Express. Your weekly roundup of
0: what's happening on Double Tap this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott
1: and Sean Priest. I just said all that. I said that. I said, you know, we're going to round up what we did this week. And then Rob comes in and does it again. What's the point of me? Well,
3: we've all asked that question (laughs) many a time.
1: a big question, I know. Maybe we (sighs) shouldn't ask that too uh, near, um, you know, negotiation time. God bless you, Mr. (sighs) F. Yes, God bless you. God bless you all. Oh, I'm in lovely. that what a, frame of mind. Very and my computer is. I know, isn't it lovely? My computer is currently updating to Windows 22H1, uh, CP30, do uh,
2: it. BMW. Tough. I don't know,
1: whatever the latest thing is from Windows. Yeah, well, whatever the latest broken edition of Windows, the <laughs> BE, the broken edition. That's what I'm
3: getting. Hey, it could just be my. Uh, personal setup it could be me that's at fault here but i doubt it my windows is currently absolutely terrible
1: yeah Um, well let me know how you get on stephen scott i am definitely going to do that i promise you i will give you full detailed Uh, files on monday's
3: show upcoming rant that's right.
1: Yes, right yeah <laughs> on monday why windows is terrible uh okay so all that coming up you can look forward to that next week on double tap uh listen lots to talk about of course this is the express we are all about the week that was Part parp thank you i love when Dane uh, on mastodon sends part parp on a saturday to me i love when it goes on oh. air on saturday
3: i get part parp, parp. Have, in have my I, inbox I, and i love it you love a part part in your <laughs> inbox don't we all have i created a Absolutely. catchphrase here i think you have oh good that's that's copyright by the way <laughs> copyright <laughs>
1: copyright <laughs> Sean parp, parp. copyright parp, parp. Uh well let's get on with the show we have lots to talk about today coming up we're going to be hearing from michael babcock not once but twice learning about the numpad commander on Mac, which is a really cool feature, and also picking me up on something this week about the Clipboard History feature that I was a little bit annoyed Ah. about, an app that I tried that wasn't very accessible and I was looking for a way to get Clipboard History on my Mac. Well, Michael Babcock says I already have the solution and I should start using it, so we're going to get to that. And... Uh, we'll be finding out a bit later about Thinkable Labs, their product called Annie. Uh, in the states, it's called Polly. I don't know why the names are different Poly from place Annie. to place. Okay, Polly Annie. Yeah, that could kind of work. Would that work? I don't no. know. Maybe let's not go there. Uh, but anyway, HumanWare are going to be selling uh, Annie, which is a new braille learning tool. We're going to be hearing from Andrew Flatres a bit later all about that. And the big conversation of the week was around being blind. We're going to be hearing your take on uh, my feelings on this subject uh, following uh, not last Friday, but the Friday before's conversation following my experience on social media. All that to come, but first, it's the news with Grace Schofield.
4: Thanks, guys. OpenAI held their first developer day on Monday, where they told us about some cool new things they've made for people who build apps and software. They've made their smart AI GPT-4 even better. It can now understand bigger chunks of information all at once, and it's cheaper to use. They also developed the ability for all of us to create custom GPTs, meaning companies and individuals could build more specific interest chatbots, making niche information easier to find and understand. On stage, CEO of OpenAI, Sam Altman, also showed off the new text-to-speech capabilities of ChatGPT.
5: You'll be able to generate incredibly natural-sounding natural audio from text in the API with six preset voices to choose from. I'll play an example. Did you know that Alexander Graham Bell, the eminent inventor, was enchanted by the world of sounds? His ingenious mind led to the creation of the graphophone, which etched sounds onto wax, making voices whisper through time. This is much more natural than anything else we've heard out there. Voice can make apps more natural to interact with and more accessible. It also unlocks a lot of use cases like language learning and voice assistance.
4: There was a big moment for accessibility too, as Be My Eyes got a mention from Sam Altman.
5: GPT-4 Turbo can now accept images as inputs Via the API, it can generate captions, classifications, and analysis. For example, Be My Eyes uses this technology to help people who are blind or have low vision with their daily tasks like identifying products in front of them.
4: In the audience was the CEO of Be My Eyes, Mike Buckley. He spoke to Stephen and Sean straight after the event to share his thoughts.
6: It was uh, kind of crazy, you know, like it's surreal to think about this, you know this tiny little enterprise that we are in many respects um, you know kind of being being together with you know a company that is arguably you know leading or certainly at the forefront of one of the most interesting technological developments of, of our lifetime and so um, um, I'm really happy for the the team our technical teams and our sales teams and everything to just get that but um, but also guys that, that um, I don't know about you but I can't remember kind of a A giant moment in a keynote that was like um, part of the, almost the cultural zeitgeist of the day, right? That as prominently featured accessibility as this, right? I just think that's cool.
4: Staying with Be My Eyes, a number of users have complained after several outages this past couple of weeks, which meant the app was not available for some time. Mike Buckley told Double Tap he was well aware of the issues and shared his own frustrations.
6: Beta tests suck sometimes, Steven. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> you know, first of all, I'm sorry, right? Like I, I, you know, anytime you provide something that I think that enough people have told us about the fact that this is a utility at this point where I felt horrible. I think we were down for for six hours and um, and that was brutal. And, and part of the reason that that was is because leading up to developer day, OpenAI and be my eyes were testing a whole bunch of new features. And one of the things that was launched broke the existing, the existing application, the way it was working. And it was down for six hours and it was down in the middle of the night for some of our teams. And so, um, so I'm sorry. It's the nature of the beta. I'm confident that we won't have things like that in the future. The other thing is we, we now have a, at least a, you know, an informal agreement with open AI that we're going to kind of, test things in advance and make sure that we try to enable um, uh, the service staying up or not breaking from something else that's launched. And I'm never going to promise perfection, Stephen and Sean, but um, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're not going to have another six hour hour outage.
4: Moving along, tech startup Humane launched their much anticipated product, the AI pin, earlier this week. It offers users the ability to use OpenAI's ChatGPT via the device which attaches magnetically to the lapel of your shirt or jacket. You can even use the onboard camera to ask for information about what it sees.
7: And we're
1: starting with health and nutrition. I've got goals that I've set up in my AI that I no longer need to think about. How much protein?
4: These almonds have 15 grams of protein.
1: Great. I'm going to eat it. Enjoy it. And later I can ask, how much protein have I had today?
4: You have had 22 grams of
7: protein today.
1: When it comes to retail, the AI pin allows you to shop in the real world, hold up an item to learn more about it, and transact seamlessly on the go without relying on screens. How much is this
3: online?
4: This is $28 online.
3: Great buy it.
4: Elon Musk says his company Neuralink will have a vision chip that will be released in a few years, and it will solve eye conditions that cause blindness. Musk revealed this Wednesday on X after responding to a user who detailed a rare eye condition that a family member has. Speaking late last year, Musk explained how the Neuralink chip could restore vision and remove paralysis.
3: The first two applications we're going to aim for in humans um, are restoring uh, vision. I think this is like notable in that even if someone has never had vision ever, like they were born blind, uh, we, we believe they can. They, they can. We can still restore vision because the, the visual part of the cortex is still still there. Yeah, even, even if they've never seen before, uh, we're we're confident they they could they could see. And then the uh, the other application being in the motor cortex. Uh, where we would initially enable someone who has no ability, almost no ability to operate their, their muscles, you know, sort of like a sort of Stephen Hawking type situation, and um, enable them to operate their phone faster than someone who has hand, working hands.
4: As we've been reporting on Double Tap, the Jaws 2024 version of the popular screen reader is out with a number of new notable features. The big one that parent company Vispero has been talking about this week is Face in View. It helps blind people make sure that they are centered in the frame of a video, tells you what else it spots in the frame, and even tells you if the lighting changes. Here's a short clip of how to use it in the latest edition of the software.
8: To activate, press the layered keystroke, insert plus spacebar, followed by F, and then O. Once enabled, Face in View continually monitors your face position and the lighting level. If anything changes, such as tilting your head left or right, or a decrease in brightness, you are automatically alerted. Number of faces, zero. Move left, turn left, tilt up. Number of faces, one. Pointing to center. When focused in the face in view application window, you can also use tab or the arrow keys to review information such as the position of your face in the picture, the current brightness level, and the camera in use.
4: You can watch the full video of that on our website, doubletaponair.com. Humanware are bringing a new braille learning tool to the UK and beyond. It's a device called Annie and comes from Indian company Tinkerbell Labs. The device promises to make it possible for blind and low-vision children to learn Braille remotely, without the need for a teacher to be present. However, the device also supports in-person teaching. Andrew Flatres is from Humanware in the UK and told Double Tap how children can use Annie to learn. You could actually use Annie
9: for pre-Braille skills, and there are games such as the Wacka Braille or Wacka Key, uh, a bit like the old a Mole, um, really just to get the... The idea and the concept of brow dots, and on Annie there is um, two different sizes of brow cells. There's the jumbo brow, so there's two jumbo brow cells, and then there are six uh, traditional standard size brow cells. So the idea behind this is that you know the pre brow skills you'd start off with on the uh, the larger jumbo brow, and then you transition over the period of time onto the normal brow size spacing.
4: And finally, we've got an interesting story out of Switzerland. The Swiss Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired is advocating for the immediate implementation of e-voting. They argue that the current system in the country discriminates against blind and visually impaired people, hindering their ability to vote and be elected, as well as maintaining the confidentiality of their vote. The association emphasizes that the rapid digitalization of society should include making digital products and services like voting accessible to all. They've launched a campaign titled Digital Accessibility Now to raise awareness and press for change in business and politics. They argue that success and accessibility can only be achieved if it is a priority from the beginning. We agree with all of that for sure. And that's it for the Double Tap News this week. I'm Grace Goffield.
1: Thank you, Grace. Sean, more news than you can shake a stick at this week. Of course. And we love it. Grace does an amazing job, by the way. Thank you, Grace. And if you ever want to listen to that again, it's on our website, DoubleTapOnAir.com. Did you know we had a new website? dot DoubleTapOnAir.com. I know you didn't. DoubleTapOnAir.com. Yes. Thank you, yes. Uh, now, one of the big topics of the week was about blindness. And uh, I had talked about my experience on social media being called out for essentially not being blind enough, right? Uh, and lots of you got in touch following my conversation about this. And I thought I'd put together a little montage of your conversation thoughts and and your feelings on this and we start with negative julian
10: negative julian here it's a tech show honest but just recently there's been a lot of talk about blindness the emotions of blindness how we cope with it and all that sort of thing and i just thought i'd chip in my little contribution for what it's worth so starting at the top how do i feel about blindness i hate it i loathe it it's ghastly vile and just insupportable Uh, and that's pretty much how i feel about it sometimes it depresses me but more often than not being me it fills me with a near incoherent rage of frustration at the things i can't do anymore but it doesn't do any good does it we all know that Frankly, if sobbing would get me 50% of my sight back, I'd fill you a bathtub. But again, it won't. It does no good. To me, it's a binary sort of thing. You either give in or you get on with it. So I get on with it. What else is there?
11: Hello, Stephen, Sean and Laura. Regarding your episode, Blind vs Vision Impaired, when I was growing up, I was vision impaired till I was 16. If I was talking to a sighted person, though, I would tell them I was blind, mainly because they don't understand the concept of being vision impaired. To them, if you say you're vision impaired, oh, does that mean you wear glasses? No, it doesn't, but they don't comprehend. When I was 16 and became totally blind, then I identified as being blind, if you want to put it like that, but I find it extremely difficult 50 years on, I'm now 50, to say I am blind. For some reason, I've always struggled to say those words both over the phone and in person. I think it's because as far as I'm concerned, me being blind shouldn't matter. I'm a person just like everybody else, as we all are. I think that's what the problem is. Why do we have to be identified as anything? Why can't we just be, like everybody else, a person?
7: Having been an RPer for all my life, I enjoyed what I considered to be good, useful vision and went about my life as a fully sighted person. Attended regular school and played sports with no concessions to my reduced vision. Worked in equal capacities in several workplaces. Worked for a national agency for the blind and some of the most senior staff thought I was fully sighted. My totally blind boss used to say, in the world of the blind, the partial is king. Exposed to blindness from birth, my grandfather and mother were both RPers. My grandpa was a successful farmer and my mother a registered nurse, so I had plenty of examples that blindness was no major obstacles to success. Blindness was rarely discussed in our family, and my older brothers often forgot my vision issues. In fact, I often thought, they having also grown up with grandpa and mother, that they would have a better understanding of poor vision or blindness. Both treated me as fully sighted. I also think that some of their lack of understanding was also my own fault. As a youth and into my late twenties, I tried very hard to pass myself off as fully sighted. Eventually, I tired of playing the charade and gave in to being designated as being legally blind. Playing the part of a visually impaired child got me nowhere, as I was expected to pull my own weight in our family. I suppose that taught me to be self-reliant and always planning the next move. I knew from an early age that someday I would be totally blind inheritance, you know. When it happened, it was fairly quick, relatively speaking. It took me considerable effort to come to grips with losing my little remaining vision. The grief, the fear, the lashing out, and, most of all, the denial.' I am a firm believer that even through a traumatic event in one's life, your natural personality will eventually emerge. I am normally a very positive and happy person. I also don't try to hide or disguise my lack of vision. I am blind and I am upfront when meeting new people. I also think that blindness is partially a state of mind. Yes, there is the physical, but the mind plays a huge part in one's acceptance of the hand you have been dealt. Yes, there are some things that I can no longer do to contribute to my family life. I try hard not to be a burden by asking for help any more than necessary. My wife of 57 years will sometimes say, you can do that yourself. When our grandchildren discovered that Grandpa couldn't see them, I would say, my eyes don't work anymore. A child doesn't understand that logic, so I would say, my eyes are broken. They accepted that like a broken toy. Life is not easy when faced with any sort of disability, but the acceptance and understanding of limitations will open many opportunities and can lead to a fulfilling life. Long ago, I gave up on trying to explain what I was able to see or not. People will develop their own attitudes and there is little you can say or do to change their thought processes. When asked about my blindness, I tried to explain the why and the now as best as possible. Bev in Canada.
0: I was very intrigued by what you were saying. It was so many things that actually pointed to me. The fact that, Sean has RP, X-Link, the same as I do. And it's one of those things that you spend your whole life going blind. And we are in such a situation that we always look like we can see. So you get many, I will say, stupid questions coming at you. But it comes down to the lack of education that people want to absorb. And when I say that, I don't just mean the sighted people. I mean also blind people. As you said, the blind community sometimes can be very vicious in that because you're not totally blind, then you're just what some would call a dimbo. You only see partial what's going on. True enough. But the fact remains that when you have a loss of sight, No matter what degree it is, there is ways to correct it, maybe with some lenses, so you can read the newspaper with your glasses and can't without, well, big deal to us. But what they don't realize is that as that sight diminishes, it becomes very difficult to maneuver sometimes. And I rather than call it a disability, I call it a disadvantage. So we get very intelligent and we get very intuitive and start to look at, gee, how can I make this better? And we do this without even thinking about it, especially when you've got a very slow progression of sight loss. As for people who ask dumb questions, it's usually an indication that the tongue has moved before the brain has thought. And if they would stop for a moment, think about what they're going to say before they say it, they probably wouldn't say it. Or maybe you could ask, how bad is your sight? How much vision do you have? I can accept that. But don't make stupid comments before you think about it. Everything you talked about, I have experienced. And sometimes it gets really difficult. Now at the age of 70, I'm getting bullheaded. If people make weird and stupid comments i call them out on it i refuse to allow someone to look at my wife and say can he sign or those kinds of comments or they're looking right at your white cane and they haven't figured it out that you can't see but those are just the things in life and i don't let them bother me i get up in the morning i realize that i'm awake i'm alive this is a new day and Maybe I can put a few more lumps on my head or some scrapes on my face. Who knows? But it'll be an interesting day for sure. And sometimes I get very frustrated. And I break down to a point of either wanting to cry, scream, you name it. But all in all, the point is that we need to get back up off our knees, start walking again, and move ahead. Because in life, whether you're a sight loss individual or whether you're just a person that never had sight at all, you're still going to run into obstacles and you have to learn to manoeuvre around them.
10: As regards to do I admit to being blind? Absolutely. Officially, I'm severely sight impaired. But if you say that to people, they don't understand. So, unless I'm talking to a medical professional, I always say blind. And I'm quite shameless about it as well. Life is hard enough already. If saying, help, Excuse me, I'm blind, will get me a bit more help in a shop or something, I'm all for it. I go for it. I don't hesitate at all. And to be honest, I feel completely justified. After all, I am completely blind in my right eye and completely blind across two thirds of my left eye and a little bit I've got left in that left eye certainly wouldn't make a mole feel inferior. So there you go. So that's what I do. One thing that did um, surprise me, shock me even, was that in past episodes of the show, both you and Sean have said that. You didn't like using the white cane to start with That You felt it should be a shame to be seen with it. You didn't like to walk down your own street with it. And that surprised me a lot because I never felt that way. Not for a moment did I feel that way. When I first got given a white cane and some training, my main emotion was, hurrah, at last I can get beyond my front gate at last a bit of mobility a little bit of independence at least not much it's true walking these days is just stress 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 even in the little town where i live uh, when people say to me they're stressed i say if you want to understand stress you try crossing a busy road blindfolded and then come back by the same route which I'm sure just shows me to be an unfeeling monster. After all, they probably are stressed for their own reasons, and that's perfectly valid. I guess I'm just not very empathic, but there you go.
12: It's Tim Dixon. Thanks for raising the subject of blind and using the term blind. And as a partially sighted person, there was a long time that I didn't use the term blind and You know, I'm not blind by... I'm not even clinically blind yet, but I've found that I need to use the term blind, as Sean mentioned in the episode, just because that's what people associate as you're needing more help. If you use the term I'm partially sighted or visually impaired, they don't step up, they don't know what to do, um, and it's much more effort. And, you know, every time you have to tell somebody that we're visually impaired or explain our condition, that brings back part of the grief, part of the trauma of of losing our sight. It's, it's difficult, and particularly difficult, when I, I said to my son, I said, oh, Daddy's blind, and he goes, Daddy, you're not blind, you're partially sighted. And it's like, yes, you're right, son, I am, but I say I'm blind, because people don't know what to expect from partially sighted. It's it's so much of a spectrum and when you've got you face that in your house and out of your house and then within the community and there isn't a good way of communicating what's needed you know your needs blind is the the thing that really communicates it but at the same time you you have that inner battle that you're using a I use a white cane and you go in shopping and you're out and about um and people assume that you're completely blind you have to say oh no i'm okay i had assistance through airports recently and it's like how much can you see do you want to grab my arm and it's like no i'm okay i can see in the peripheral vision so for for many that's great it, you know and it's good that i've got that level of vision but it, it is difficult I think it 's a topic that 's just going to bounce around and go on and on i don 't think there 's a right answer to it i think um and I feel for people that have no vision and are using the term blind and it really means blind against um someone like myself that 's severely- uh, not even severely sight impaired yet clinically. Um, but does have to use a white cane and does use the blind to get the assistance I need. It, it's an emotive one. Thanks for raising it. Hope that adds to the discussion. Speak to you soon.
11: Thank you very much for your show. I love listening to you guys. You make me feel so much better about myself and what I go through. So thank you very much for all your shows. Thank you, Tracy.
10: Everybody have a good day. Enjoy yourselves. Bye for now from Negative Julian. Amazing.
3: Thanks to every one of you who contributed to that conversation. Really interesting and a conversation I think we needed to have. Anyway, Double Tap will continue after the break. Call the Double Tappers now. 1-877-803-4567 or email us. Feedback at doubletaponair.com
1: Welcome back to Double Tap. And today we are talking about Braille as a subject, Sean, you and I love to talk about. And I think we're pretty good at talking about it these days because <laughs> we talk about it all the time. And I often talk about the education side of it. But I think also, you know, the learning is the key, right? And how we learn is is often a challenge because there are lots of different methods, uh, perhaps, to learn. But it always seemed to involve being in front of someone. And the challenge is how can a child, for example, on their own learn On their own, without someone with
3: them. Yes, it seems so often we talk about how important Braille is, and um, it always comes down to the education and the training and the learning and the teaching of Braille is 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 key. As you said, in the past we've seen those resources go down, but thankfully they are coming more and more now.
1: Well, with us today to talk more about this and in particular, a new product that is coming out.
3: I love new toys. Andrew Flatrez
1: is here (laughs) from Humanware. Good to have you with us, Andrew. How are you today? It's good to be here. Thanks very much for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, It's great to have you here because a great chance to talk about this. So this is uh, a product from a company called Thinkerbell. It's called Annie. Tell us all about it. Right.
9: Yeah. I mean, I also love new toys. And and this actually came about probably around about 2017 initially. Uh, this company, Thinkabell Labs, it was a, a startup company mm. that, uh, that came over to, I believe, the Show at that point and presented what was Annie back then. And and we loved the concept. We really did love the concept. And where it is today, and I'll go through what it is today, um, is it's, it's fantastic. It's a great learning tool for, for someone who's learning Braille. Uh, it's designed to give preschool and primary school age children that head start in learning braille, uh, and, and it is a self learning electronic braille device that teaches reading, typing, vocabulary, spelling, and uncontracted and contracted braille. Most importantly, in a fun game like format, and that's that's really unique because you know we know that teenagers. Uh, Children today, they don't like to learn things unless they're fun, right? (laughs) So this uh, Annie product is fantastic, and it really gets you uh, engaged in learning of Braille without realizing you're learning.
1: And that's the best bit about this, right? Because it's learning to use a product, Uh, which is cool, obviously, in itself. And kids love to learn new toys and new products and all of that stuff. But, you know, when it comes to actually learning Braille, you have to make that fun. And, you know, I have to be honest, Sean and I have both been trying out various methods. I think I'm better than he is, if I'm being brutally honest, because I've... uh, well, no, look. I mean, come on. You know, when it comes to learning the Braille, you know, you've, Braille. you've fallen behind. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, the I've, I've
3: learned Grade One Braille about a thousand <laughs> times. Yes, yeah, so and never got any <laughs> further.
1: Absolutely. But it's it's because of that aspect, right? Is it's not? Yeah. It, it can be a little bit boring at times. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly right.
9: I mean, the the pre the first concept really is the pre skills, the pre Braille skills as well. So you know, you don't necessarily have to get a a, a student on Annie. Um, just when they're learning brow, you know, maybe at uh, the age of five or six, you could actually use Annie for pre-brow skills. And there are games such as the Whack a or Whack a Key, uh, a bit like the old Whack a Mole, um, really just to get the the idea and the concept of brow dots. And on Annie, there is um, two different sizes of brow cells. There's the jumbo brow, So there's two jumbo brow cells. And then there are six uh, traditional standard size braille cells. So the idea behind this is that, you know, the pre-braille skills you'd start off with, on the uh the larger jumbo braille and then you transition over the period of time onto the normal brow size spacing um so yeah overall fantastic device i've, I've had my children on it for uh for, for hours
3: <laughs> <laughs> beta testers i like it um so
11: can,
12: exactly.
3: you, can you give us a quick description of the actual design of this how it looks Sure. Um, so it's a small portable, well, say portable, it
9: is powered, but it is a fairly small device. Um, probably the size of I guess an, an kind of an iPad, but relatively thick. I don't know if you've had the Stratus, the Victorini Stratus models. Um oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a kind of that kind of size. Um on the top left, there's two uh, large jumbo brow cells. Um, then to the right of that, we have a speaker in the middle. So your, the audio is not text to speech either. So it's actual human, um, human voice. We then have the, uh, the six brow cells of normal spacing, a normal size. As we get towards the middle, middle of the device, we then have our six, uh, Perkins style keyboards and oh, there we go. So talking, <laughs> we then have a backspace and an enter key. And then we have a space bar, a left arrow, and a right arrow to navigate through our menu structures. And, of course, you've just heard the the voice there. We do have volume controls. We do have a head jack um, so you don't disturb other children in class. Um, And on this device, it includes Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. The reason why you'd use Bluetooth, and this is particularly fantastic for teachers and parents, in fact, is that you could track the progress of their learning. You're capturing all the analytics of how your student's progressing. Are they uh, struggling on certain contracted words? Um, you can set different homework for the student. And all of that gets synchronized through this um, online system called Helios. So with Helios, it allows you to to track and create uh, fantastic graphs and pie charts for teachers to show the progression of their learning and and who doesn't like pie charts and graphs right when you're a teacher oh yeah
1: yeah I'm so, so excited i beyond myself with that one uh, but no honestly this is great and and the fact that teachers can watch along and, and people can watch along but the key thing is the children can learn on their own and i think that's the key point right that's the really interesting uh, and i guess the selling point of this device so how did humanware get in touch uh, with with thinkerbell how did you guys connect and, and how did this partnership happen
9: sure um so as i mentioned we we can't well we've been in contact with them since 2017 but nothing came around uh, until now and it wasn't probably until they um sent out a, another iteration of of Annie called Polly. So Polly's another version of Annie, which is uh, in America and is being distributed by the American Printing House. And it was at that point where we really saw the power of what Annie can do. And you know, human wear human DNA is Braille. Braille literacy is part of our DNA, and that's one of the things. When when we saw this Polly was the same as Annie, um, and how it was um, well received from students. Uh, young kids teachers it really got me thinking about wow this is a fantastic product that we need to really distribute this into other other areas of the world because it's too good not to it really isn't it's 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 a too good of a product nothing out there like this where it teaches you um brown in that fun way but then also it's an additional tool. So, I don't want to say that it's going to replace any TVIs, not at all. TVIs mm. are fantastic on what they do and they improvise, but this is just another tool that they can have in their toolkit that they can give to a student, allow that student to learn Braille on their own, and while well, they'll do something else, because they don't have enough time in a day,
3: these teachers. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what What is it about this that, that made you or humanware recognize this as something special? Is it the software or is it the hardware or a combination of the two? Because it does sound like a sort of scaled down standard Braille display from what you described there with uh, Braille cells and the Braille keys. So I, I'm just thinking, could this software be this teaching software side what? of it, could this be used on normal Braille displays in the future? Is it something you may think about adding? A teaching mode, if you like.
9: Yeah, it's a very good point. And that was what really got me initially excited when we first saw them in 2017. This software that they use is called Helios that captures all this data as well. Um, that got me really excited. But back then, they, they never had a full uh, curriculum based of grade two or uncontracted Braille. Um, so, since then, they've really worked hard on that. So, it's a combination of the two. And I think it, the, the most important part is the Jumbo Brow transition to the normal brow spacing. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of Jumbo Brow. And I think there's a lot of people out there that say Jumbo Brow is not the right way to go. Um, however, it does serve a need. And that's where that pre skills, the pre brow skills, it's a bit like having an egg cup. You know, they have like the um, the, the, the 12 or the six eggs. And trying to get the feel yes. and the shape of where the dots are, and yeah. that's the main purpose of those jumbo brow. And then hopefully, then you're transitioning to the normal brow spacing sooner rather than later. Um, but the software inside, so there's kind of two pieces to the software. There's the software that's integrated into Annie, and then there's the software with the Helios, which synchronizes all the data, uh, and that's what's you know again unique in its way. Uh, so it's it's an all rounder. It's a great product. It's not a Braille display, though, just to confirm, because the Braille cells, you've got six cells, um, and it's purely just um, showing certain letters or words. And the reason behind six cells is because the biggest uh, or the longest contracted word consists of six cells. Do you Uh, know what it is? Stephen does. I don't know. No, I don't. Yes, he does. No. He's my done God, all the training. I can't remember the top my head. <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason
3: why. <laughs>
1: yeah, I have no idea. But I'm sure if we ask GPT, it'll tell us. Uh, it will absolutely answer to that. <laughs> Maybe even Google will know in the old days. Um, you know, it's interesting you bring up the point about jumbo Braille. There is a bit of a conversation in our community at the moment about what Braille choice should be. And I think that obviously the challenge at the moment is because the Braille display technology we have is is fixed. You know, the technology is is fixed. So Braille displays are a, a fixed size. It's not something that's customizable. It's not like text on a screen that you can change to 56 point, if you'd rather, or 128 point, if you'd rather. Yeah. And, you know, technology, if it was able to bring that about, would really, I, I, I guess, give the option, give the, the change um, or give the the, the, op, the option of change, I mean. Um, so in a way it could be a good thing for us to have more choice in that regard, but it's not possible yet technically, is it?
9: No, I mean traditionally Brow is at that standard size brow. <laughs> so when you look at Brow labels on medicine bottles, etc. tablets, you know, it's the standard size brow. Um but yeah, you've got a you have a valid point there, Stephen, you know, changing the size of Brow, but I think you'd have to really convince um those that are high in the UCAF and the banner. Um, about that standard Um, not me
1: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you as well um, because of course this is a product that's going to be available uh, in the UK but of course uh, human wear is available around the world so you know is this going to be made available in other parts of the world as well as well as the UK into Canada for example US you mentioned poly of course which is the uh, similar equivalent there
9: yeah, so Polly is in the is the APH product and that will be distributed in America. Uh for Annie and the Humanwares link, we'll be distributing that in the UK and Ireland, New Zealand, Australia, and we do hope, I say we do hope, to go towards Canada, but that hasn't been agreed yet. Um and then yeah, who knows next? But definitely we, we are really pushing towards distributing Annie in uh you know
1: across the globe. Sounds brilliant. And in terms of costs. Um, is this something mean, I always I'm so nervous to ask this question every time because I think I, I just know it's going to have a price tag on it that is going to be sizable. Are you aiming this at education markets or individuals?
9: A bit of both, really. And that was that was key when we looked at the pricing. So, um, of course, we have to keep in mind the amount of effort on the curriculum, you know, learning contracted brow. There's There's been a lot of effort behind that the price point there's two different price points because this does come with a subscription base and the the two different price points is 1295 pounds and that's with a one year subscription of helios which allows you to track your data but then also gives you uh, additional features And then there's the two-year subscription, which we're looking at um, £1,495.
3: Okay, that didn't didn't horrify me, Sean. (laughs) Uh, Again, the the reason I did the comparison to the the sort of scaled-down Braille display, because I expected the price to be around there, because as soon as we start talking about Braille sales, um, the price starts to go up. I mean, it it is a considered purchase. There's no getting away from that, Andrew, at Mm. all. But um, I mean it's its purpose is fantastic and the way it seems to go about it seems really um seems really good to me the education market i think i could see this really really going strong oh yeah definitely
9: definitely sure um there's there was one thing i did forget to mention as well as as part of annie that you do get this points structures or stars so as part of the games that you're as you're entering all these different games you'll be able to build up your points so the more points that you get um obviously, that you keep with a high score. And that's what really attracts a lot of the young kids today is that they want to then try and beat their high score. Do you mind if I just quickly just turn turn it on and just show you a little bit with the actual Annie that we have? So that of the- course, please. Okay. We'll play Whacker braille
6: English Braille
4: grade one. Whacker key Let's play
8: Whacker braille In this game, I will tell you which
6: Braille dots to press. And you will have to press that dot down on the large braille display. So this is
9: a perfect free braille skill. You know, you're using yeah. the jumbo braille here to actually push the dots down. Oh. And so as you start to play, it will give you either the right sound or the wrong sound. Let's go.
4: Ready. Steady. Go. Dot. Five. Ready, dot two
9: so all i'm doing is i'm actually on the jumbo braille uh just pushing the the dots down and then they'll just
3: pop back up so that's just kind of a quick intro i won't carry on because i'll get carried away (laughs) i think we got the gist of it though we could hear the voice was very clear i'm I, i was expecting you to use the perkins keys there to to press you know represent the dots but you actually could use the jumbo braille cell itself that's really cool yeah, so there's a the difference of the Wacker Brow
9: and the Wacker Key. So the Brow is just to get the combination of the Brow dots, and then the Wacker Key is just get the um, get your fingers in the right position. So it it tells you where the correct position of your fingers should be when it comes to the keys, uh, and gives you a full introduction of what Annie is at the very beginning. Um, so yeah, as I said, overall fan, a fantastic device, and looking forward to getting this out the door, which uh, the launch should be around January
1: time. Brilliant. Well, we wish you all the best for Andrew. Come back soon and tell us more about what's happening at uh, Humanware. It's always interesting and great to catch up with you.
3: Likewise. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Now, Stephen, I want to move on to a message we got from friend of the show, Mickey B, Michael Babcock, regarding something that he needs to pick you up on. Oh, I love it.
2: In a recent episode of Double Tap, and admittedly, I don't know the date. The title of it is "Your Feedback" because you know that's really helpful. Stephen made an offhanded comment that I'm a little disappointed in him for making. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm disappointed in you, Stephen, because a tool you were introduced to by either Damasi, myself, or both of us has what you're looking for. So. The problem to be solved is Steven stated that there isn't an accessible clipboard management program on the Mac, and I respectfully disagree. In this clip, we're going to start by pressing command space. I'm going to show you the long way of finding it, and then we will show you a shortcut that you can use as well. Application, system dialogue, action menu. This action menu tells me that I am in launch bar and note that you need to have launch bar configured in order to do what I'm about to show you. If you start typing clip clip clipboard history action, you'll come to the clipboard history action. You may not, but you want to use your down arrow key until you find clipboard history. Tap your right arrow to open the clipboard history.
8: Two audio files in audio hijack clipboard object.
2: And this shows you two audio files from the audio hijack folder that have been added to my clipboard. This works with your files. It also works with items inside of Reaper and, of course, plain old text. If we tap our down arrow, BlindBargains.com, clipboard object. Some text there, clipboard object, blindbargains.com
8: grant all privileges on database name to username at localhost, clipboard object.
2: A item that I copied for learning my SQL. So if I want to insert this, for example, all I have to do is tap enter, but I'm not in an edit field. So I'm going to show you something in a moment on how you can do that. Uh, if I want to copy this to my clipboard again, I just hit co- grant all privileges on database. Command C, and that'll say copy and repeat the last thing that was stated. So now i tap escape to exit this. Audio hijack, untitled, and I'm put back in the audio hijack file. Now I'm going to go ahead and show you two more things with this option. If I press Command Space, application, S- and I type draft, 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 drafts, application, this takes you to the drafts application, but I'd rather just have to hit the letter D to activate this. So I'll press Command Option A, draft, content selected. And this brings you to the abbreviation of anything that you find in in launch bar. You can set an abbreviation for. And I'll tap the backspace to delete this because it said context contents selected. Selection deleted. And I'll press the letter D followed by enter. Blank, drafts application. Now we'll exit out of launch bar. Audio hijack. I'll press command space. Application. And now anytime I press the letter D. Drafts application. Drafts comes right up, but here's something more fun. Audio hijack. If we press Command Space, application system dialog. Press and hold the letter D. Drafts. Audio hijack uh, drafts. Blank window. Drafts is now open, so I didn't have to hit Enter. Now I have it set up so Command Option Backslash takes me immediately to my clipboard history, so I don't have to go to my clipboard history.
8: Grant all privileges on database name to username at localhost clipboard object.
2: So there's that clipboard object that we talked about a moment ago. If I press enter, new line, that's inserted with a new line on that document. If I press command option backslash,
8: grant all privileges on database, and I type
2: in blind, blindbergains.com clipboard object. There's blind bargains and I simply tap blindbergains.com. Enter to insert it. Now that's pretty cool. You can easily type in something from your clipboard that you remember and bring that into focus so you can access that information. I love LaunchBar. One last thing that I wanna teach you about is if you want to merge things together, let's say you're looking for some elements to edit a podcast and the intro and outro and main content of the podcast are in three different folders. You can press Command C on the first item, intro, for example, go to the main contents of the podcast and press command CC and then go to the outro and press command CC. And then on your clipboard, you have all three elements you need and you can paste them into your audio editor of choice. What? You can't paste into Audacity? I actually don't know if you can, but in Reaper, you can just find the files in Finder or Windows Explorer, Sean, copy them to your clipboard and then paste them into Reaper and you're editing them. Hope you found this to be a little bit useful. Stephen, play with LaunchBar. Pretty sure you bought it. Play with LaunchBar a little more because I think go get some value out of it, especially the clipboard history.
1: Okay, thank you for that, uh, Michael. I appreciate that. And uh, hey, it was not the only time we had from Michael this week. He also sent in a demo of the Numpad Commander feature on macOS.
2: All right, so today I'm going to walk you through accessing the voiceover utility and then setting up your Numpad commander. By default, the Numpad commander is not enabled. And this requires you to go into the voiceover utility and enable it. So we'll start with VOF8, which you'll hear. Opening voiceover utility. Voiceover utility. Once that's open, simply tap command 8. Commanders. And that takes you to the Commanders tab. Now, if you press V-O right arrow, or in my case, I'm going to use my Numpad 6. Trackpad.
8: Numpad. Keyboard. Quick Nav.
2: And that's the four different commanders you can set for voiceover. There's the trackpad, which allows you to have gestures that apply to just your trackpad. Your Numpad commander, which gives you the ability to navigate voiceover from your Numpad. Keyboard keyboard commander you can pick the right option key which is what i use and apply different letters or numbers or keys on your mac computer to do different things kind of like you can with the numpad commander and lastly quick nav i have no experience with the quick nav commander but i think there's some powerful things there for today's demo let's choose numpad and we'll press vo space Selected. You hear that numpad is selected. If we press VO right arrow. Keyboard. Quick Nav. Enable numpad
8: commander. Checked.
2: That by default is unchecked. You'll want to check that. And then if we press VO right arrow again.
8: No modifier. Modifier key. If you press VO right arrow. Numpad commander. This is a table that you can interact with. And we'll interact with this. In numpad commander. Row 1 of 17.
2: 1. Item chooser selected. 1. So there are 17 items that you can assign to your numpad commander. If we simply vo down
8: arrow, we'll hear two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, clear, equal, slash, asterisk, hyphen, plus, enter, dot. So as you can
2: see, there's 17 items that you can choose. We're going to press vo right arrow. Escape. And for me, if I press the period or dot with no other modifier, this is the same as an escape key. So I'm going to go up to the top. One. Row one. And we're going to go one through all of the previous buttons. And you can hear how I currently have mine configured. Yours could be different. And we'll show you how to configure it and explain the modifiers in a moment. So press view right arrow to get to
8: the column of uh, actions. Item chooser. Move down. Menu button move left, perform action for item, move right, stop interacting with item, move up, start interacting with item, go to dock. go to menu bar, open window chooser, go to desktop, open voiceover help menu, open shortcut menu, menu button, escape. And that's the
2: uh, items that we currently have selected. Now that's if you have v- no modifier enabled. Let's stop interacting with this table. Out of numpad commander. And then I'm gonna press VO left arrow to go over to no modifier, modifier key. We'll
8: activate this menu. Menu check mark, no modifier.
2: And I'll go through real quick and let you hear the modifiers that you can apply to any of the keys that we previously listened to and that key at the same time. Command, option, control, shift, numpad zero. So as you can see, there are four different actions that can be activated or performed while you're holding modifier keys. So I'm gonna demonstrate to you what I have with the zero key, for example, because that means I can hold the zero key down with my thumb on the numpad and then use the numpad commanders. Numpad zero. We'll press VO space on this. Numpad zero,
8: modifier key.
2: And now we've changed the modifier key to the numpad zero, which means if we press
8: VO right arrow, numpad commander row 17 of 17 and interact with this in numpad com- and i'm gonna to go to the top of this zero 01 row 1
2: as you can see now it says zero 01 zero 02 zero 03 because those are what you need to press in order to activate these functions i'm gonna go back up to the top of this table zero 01 row one and then i'll go down the list of actions that are currently assigned with 0 plus the respective keys
8: find previous link find next link Find previous visited link, find previous heading, find next heading, find previous auto web spot, find previous control, find next control, find previous web spot, find previous table, find next table, find previous image, find next image, find next web spot, find next auto web spot, find next visited link,
2: rotor. So, for example, zero period will do the same thing as VOU because it's your rotor. There's a lot of different actions in here. I'm going to go ahead and go up to the zero one. Zero one. Row one. And we'll press VO right arrow. Find previous link. And we'll press VO space. Menu. This pops up a menu where the first option is always. Unassign find previous link. Unassigned. So if you want to unassign this, then you can. But we have these categories of options. And I'm not going to show you them all because as anyone who's poked around in here knows, there's a lot here. But I'll give you a quick overview of the categories.
8: General. Information. Navigation. Text. Web. Find. Tables. Size and position. Audio. Braille. Visuals. Speech. Hotspots. 2D Braille. Custom commands. Custom commands. Each of these options, you can tap the right arrow key to
2: go into. Custom commands. Open application ellipsis. And yep, that means you can open applications. You can even run custom shortcuts or Apple scripts from your numpad commander if you'd like. When you're done making your assignments, or if you hear something you want to assign to this specific action, simply press VO space, or in my case, number five, and that'll activate that element and assign it to that key.
1: And another incredible show comes to an end. What a fantastic show this week. And again, just a reminder, you can catch up with all of the content on the website, which is Sean Priest,
3: www.doubletaponair.com. I don't know if you need the double USB. No, it's there if you okay. want. DoubleTapOnAir.com. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye bye.
4: I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co host Alex Hajar, and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.